You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the Internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Just a quick reminder, we launched Locked on today, yesterday. I know that seems weird. It is a new daily all sports show as part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I am hosting it. It is a lot of fun. So while it may be tough for fans right now with the Packers and their uh, off season ahead, a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, Locked on today is is going to get you set with everything that's going on in sports. So that means you don't have to just focus on the Packers or the NFL. There's NBA. There's uh, golf. I guess um, there's if you if you want to ignore the the NFL stuff that's going on, Senior Bowl stuff, draft stuff. Of course, we'll have baseball when that gets in. Hockey. Uh, plenty to talk about every day there. America's guest, Jason Hershorn, is on the podcast today to play a little fun game where we are going to go through our awards ballots. We are both members of the Pro Football Writers Association, and so we are going to go over our ballots in a Packers-centric way to talk about the players uh, who deserved recognition for this season. It is a, a way to look back on this year and recognize some of the, the great performances that these Packers players put in in 2020. And it's a little bit of a distraction from whatever postmortem pieces and from whatever drama is being stoked right now. And and let me just, before we get to Jason, we have a lot to get to with Jason. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. There's The melodrama is at an all-time high. In, on Packers Twitter right now, and and you know there are some people in the media who benefit from stoking it. I'm I'm talking mostly about national media, but in the local media, um, I, I think as well. And I guess what I'll say is be dubious of of almost anything that that you see out there. Opinion mostly, uh, because that's what most of this is: opinion, conjecture, all of that stuff. Um, but. Do listen to someone who's been through this, who knows Aaron, and who actually has a connection to the Packers, having gone through this once already. Here's Brett Favre on the Aaron Rodgers situation. I wouldn't pay much attention to it. I think frustration, disappointment, hurt, pain, all were in that uh, that soundbite. Look, there, there's no way the Packers would do anything to jeopardize losing Aaron. You know, unless Aaron just chooses to retire, which I I would be shocked. The guy's playing better now than he's ever played, and without him, you certainly wouldn't have been even close to where you were yesterday. And and I think the same would it will go for next year, and and it's really the the next few years if he chooses to play. I wouldn't pay much attention to what he said. Uh, I've been there. It's it's so – I mean, it hurts. It's painful. The last thing you want to do is think about next year because you just had a major disappointment. And that's what you're hearing in that uh, soundbite. For what it's worth, Andrew Brandt, who was in the Packers organization when Rodgers was drafted and has been through these kinds of things, 
echoed what Favre said. These are uh, emotional moments. Of course, Rodgers is frustrated. We know Rodgers is frustrated. The idea that we need to spend as much time as has already been spent discussing the possibilities of a trade. Could he demand out of there, all that stuff? We're so far from that that I just I just don't think it's even worth discussing. Um, let's see how the, the next few weeks go. Let's see if changes are made on the coaching staff. You know, it's going to be free agency here before you know it with March coming. So, you know, the, the Packers are going to have a lot of decisions that, that are going to be made. And I think we will we will learn some things about how the Packers view Rogers' future through that lens, uh, the draft the, the same way. But I don't think anyone who is being totally honest with themselves believes anything other than Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers in 2021. Bet online because they have odds on everything. Um, they have Rodgers being in Green Bay as the minus 500 favorite. They're five to one that he is going to be there. So bet $500, win $100. Uh, that, that is the heavy, heavy favorite. All right. So it's not something that that we need to spend a lot of time on. And unless and until there is new information to discuss, we are not going to spend more time on it. Although, of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to speak today to Pat McAfee, we assume. And so we may get more information. Uh, and, and obviously, we will discuss that uh, clip, whatever sound clip, sound bites need to be in the show and, and talk about it with Lily Zhao on Zhao You Doing tomorrow. Let's get to Jason first. Follow him on Twitter at by underscore JBH. He is a longtime friend of the podcast. He is America's guest. Jason, thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers. I appreciate that you not only have me on the show, Peter, but that you were actually able to get out of bed this morning. <laughs> well, I was up very late doing a lot of different things on Sunday night with Locked on NFL, Locked on Packers, and our new Locked on Today. So uh, it was difficult to get up and get out of bed this morning, mostly just because I wanted to keep sleeping uh, in in the, the spirit of that. Uh, I think there are a lot of Packer fans who would like to keep sleeping on this season or at least on the start of this offseason. And so I, I thought it would be fun to have you in to do a little bit of a of a fun exercise around the recognition that this Packers team and its players uh, have received and, and will receive because you and I both vote in the PFWA uh, postseason awards, I thought it would be fun to have you on to discuss some Packer names who won, some names who didn't, and and maybe just give some other shout outs to some players for this season as a way of looking back on 2020. So let's start at the top. Aaron Rodgers was the PFWA MVP. I assume you do not have a another person on your ballot at that spot. You are correct. Aaron Rodgers, I thought, was maybe not like the runaway MVP in the way that he was in 2011 and to a certain degree in, in 2014, but he was the clear choice for me. And it's for all the reasons that I'm sure you're going to state shortly after this. He just had the most impressive season of any player in the NFL, in my view. Yeah. And, and look, we've, we went through the statistical part of this over the course of the season, we went through the EPA per play and and the completion percentage above expectation and and the yards and the touchdowns, all of that stuff. To me, it was it was more about 
the jump that he made from last year to this year with the same guys, with all of the players that all offseason we heard, we we maybe thought were not going to be good enough, and yet they came out and had the best offense in the league. One of the best, you know, on a per-drive offense, you know, they averaged over three points per drive. Uh, I believe one of only three offenses in the last 20 years to do that. For them to come out and do that and, and do it really for the most part because of Rodgers is what makes him the MVP to me. And we saw on Sunday, I know this is a regular season award, Travis, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid. I mean, they just they have advantages that the Packers don't have that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have. Yeah, and if you even break this down a little further, we saw what that Packers offense was like when it didn't have its most important players besides Rodgers on offense. Devontae Adams missed essentially two and a half games. There was not a drop-off in the offensive production or the offensive right. efficiency during that time. Now, I mean, that's a small sample size. You can also look at the defenses they were playing, but one of those was the New Orleans Saints, which is one of the better defenses in the NFL. That was not a problem for them. He was able to make you know, some of his not necessarily backup receivers, but certainly, you know, secondary and tertiary options, very significant contributors. It was clear that as good as Devontae Adams is, and we'll talk about him later, I'm sure, that Rodgers was still the thing that was driving the entire offense all of the time. Yeah, and and we know that that offensive efficiency is primarily driven by the quarterback. All right, more with Jason in just a second, but before we do. We have to talk about our friends at Bet Online. The NFL season is almost over. The Super Bowl is less than two weeks away, but there is NBA to gamble on every night. We've got the non-major sports getting into high gear here. Golf is about to, I mean, we're like, you know, the Masters is like in, in a week. No, it's not. But there's a lot There's a lot going on right now. The NHL is another great place. Uh, college basketball. We've got a lot of fun games in college basketball. So a lot for you to try and make some money on. And right now, if you sign up for a free account at Bet Online and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you will get a 50% welcome bonus. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. I am your host for Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. I'm interested to know who you had for the Offensive Player of the Year. PFWA voted, and, and they concluded it was Derrick Henry. Right, no, wait, I had it up. Is it Henry or Kelsey? No, it was, it was Henry. I, okay, I had it written down here as Henry and then second-guessed myself. Who did you vote for for Offensive Player of the Year? Well, I also voted for Rodgers, but this is less of a commentary on Rodgers versus those other options. Then I have a problem philosophically of saying there is an offensive player who was the most valuable in the league, and somehow there was a player on offense that was more worthy of being the offensive player of the year. I've never in the five years that I have had a vote for the PFWA awards voted for an MVP and not also voted for that person to be the insert side of the ball here player of the year. Yeah, I understand that, and and I did the same thing this season. I have, in other seasons, split my votes um, just because I think sometimes individual players, because of the nature of value, the quarterback should be the MVP every year. 
I think that when you have these sort of incredible single seasons and the impact, you know, Alvin Kamara a few years ago was just unbelievably impactful for that Saints team. And I think you could have had, I don't want to say any quarterback, but you could have had an inferior quarterback to Drew Brees. And that offense would have been pretty close to as good because Kamara was that good. I, I think... Devontae Adams belonged in the conversation among those of us who do not see it as you do. And and I, I would say I mostly see it as you do if he had played 16 games, because if he plays 16 games, the numbers that he could have put up. I mean, we could be talking about record setting stuff, and that's why someone like Michael Thomas gets consideration for offensive player of the year like he did last year. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair way to look at it. I just, again, have an issue where we treat usually the Offensive Player of the Year award as the runner-up to MVP. I think it makes more sense. This is not just right. a commentary on the PFWA <laughs> awards. I think this no. is something that the AP should also consider. Just have an offensive MVP and a defensive MVP. We see these kind of like demarcations in other sports where you know either they have like one for the AL and one for the NL in baseball and things like that. I see no reason why we have to pretend that this isn't somehow just a runner-up award. Well, th- we could say that they do, that the MVP is really like baseball's version of the Cy Young. And then you have the MVP where that player is almost never a pitcher. And so the offensive rookie, uh, or, you know, offensive player of the year becomes like the Cy Young. And then the MVP is the MVP. Yeah, if we could all agree on those sort of guidelines, but of course that never happens. Right. So uh, Aaron Donald, Defensive Player of the Year, who did you vote for? And and I do think, and and by the way, Pro Football Focus, some people over there did make a case for a Packer, but who did you vote for? I voted for Aaron Donald, and it's one of those situations where I feel like the collective us, those who are voting for this award or these awards, t- tend to get bored with doing the same thing every right. year. But the correct answer is Aaron Donald. He is the most impactful defensive player and has been for virtually his entire career. The last time we saw someone who was this consistently dominant on defense was pre-injury J.J. Watt. And he didn't always win the award when he should. And I don't think that we should compound that error by taking it out on Aaron Donald. Until he is not the best defensive player, I'm going to continue voting for him for this award. I voted for Zach Martin for first-team guard for all the same reasons. Like, I know that the Cowboys sucked. But like he's the I I think he's the best guard in football. And until someone else takes that mantle, I'm going to keep voting him first team. Yeah, it's, it's the same philosophy. You shouldn't just get bored with picking the right answer. You should just look forward to picking the right answer as often as you can. And I mean, that's just something that obviously goes down the entire ballot. But especially for those big awards, that's where I feel like you see that voter fatigue show up most often. And it's it's silly. Like we should always try to pick who we view to be the best player for that particular award. And Aaron Donald for the foreseeable future is going to be that guy. Yeah, unless he gets hurt, as he did. Unless he gets hurt. Yeah, that is the one scenario I can contrive where he's not the defensive player of the year in 2021. How far down your ballot would you have had to go to put Jair Alexander on it? I guess I wouldn't have had to go that much further down. He wasn't a consideration for me for defensive player of the year, but I had him as, and you know, this is going to spoil things for later on. I had him as one of my all NFL corners and also yep. by consequence, all NFC corners. I thought that he was as impactful as not just any cornerback this year, but any cornerback we've seen since what 
peak Terrell Revis, peak yeah. Richard Sherman. And he's certainly more versatile than the latter because of all different ways that he can consistently cover defender uh, or receivers, rather. Uh, I think Jair Alexander is not, not a bad choice if someone was to make it. But again, it, it wasn't someone who I was ever going to choose over Aaron Donald the way that Donald has played. I think if you're going to if you're going to take the next group of players like there's Donald who's in a tier by himself. And I, I think I think, frankly, Alexander is in that next tier of players. I also had him as a first team um, all NFL corner. I'm just uh, we're probably not going to get there, but I'm just curious who you had for that second spot. I had Xavier Howard, and mm. I think a lot of people maybe shied away from that because they thought it was, oh, we're just going to award the guy with the most interceptions. But he was really good in coverage, too, and not just one particular kind of coverage. I know the Dolphins are a little more static in that regard than other defenses, but he was so, so good, oftentimes without a great pass rush to help him. And it, I, I wasn't comfortable not picking him for one of those two spots. I had Howard as well, and and part of it is because you know, Brian Flores loves to bring cover zero blitzes and they they made Howard cover in man coverage a lot. And I think some of the Jalen Ramsey shadow stuff got got a little overblown. And and for all the reasons that you mentioned, Jerry Alexander's versatility, you know, just like blowing up receiver screens. How many cornerbacks attack as a tackler the way that he does? Maybe and that at is, his size, right? That's a very important part of this too. He he is so quick because he's only like five ten and change. That's a big part of actually why he's able to play well in the slot and on the perimeter. But that lack of size does not hinder him when he has to defend the run or when he has to go blow up a screen or some of those things you mentioned. He plays big when he needs to play big, and he plays agile when he needs to do that too. In that sense, he is maybe the most versatile corner in the NFL right now. You can you make an argument for other guys being overall better. I think that's fair. But Alexander, I think, is the one who is most flexible scheme to scheme, situation to situation. Would you have liked to see him a little more in the slot this season? Given some of the issues that the Packers had in the secondary, specifically with their other corners, I think that's actually something they should have considered more. And I know it's easy to second guess a lot of the defensive decisions that they have made. <laughs> I'm sure at some point you will be getting into this on your podcast. But yeah, I think he's someone who could easily play more in the slot and help the defense, but there really is not a bad place to play Jair, Jair Alexander. If he's on your defense, he's going to make an impact. So coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski wins the award. Was he your choice? He was not. And I, I want you to tell me your choice before I go into mine. This will not surprise you or the audience. I picked Malafleur. Interesting. Okay. I actually thought that we were going to disagree on this. I thought you actually were going to pick Stefanski. Uh, so the the audience knows we didn't really talk other than we acknowledge that Rogers was going to be the MVP because it was a fait accompli. We didn't really compare notes. We just sort of discussed very generally right. the areas that we were going to discuss because they had a Packers connection. I chose Matt LaFleur as well. And I did it for this reason. When the Packers made him the replacement for Mike McCarthy, it was ostensibly to get the offense, and more specifically, Aaron Rodgers, playing at an MVP level. That is exactly what he did. And there was a lot of people, and I think you and I are amongst them, who thought that, not that Rodgers wasn't going to improve over time in this scheme, but that maybe the you know destroyer of worlds version of Aaron Rodgers may not be there on a week-to-week -week basis. This was the most consistently dominant we've seen Rodgers 
since 2011, which remains the most dominant season, uh, for a regular season anyway, a quarterback has ever had in my view. To get him back to that level, get the offense to the point where it's setting at least you know some team records, certainly coming close to setting some NFL records, without an elite group of skill position players around Rodgers is a testament to what Matt LaFleur was able to do. And again, despite what happened at the very end of their playoff run, he made a lot of good decisions when it came to fourth downs, a lot of game management things. He really improved in a big way as the play caller in 2020. I thought when you look at the complete package of what he brought and what he was brought to Green Bay to do, he was the most impressive coach. And we can have a discussion with some of the other candidates, but to me, that was in the end, the right choice. Uh, look, this was a case that I had made on this podcast. Uh, I had made it on Twitter and I got a lot of pushback. And And my thing was always, you know, Brian Flores would have been my choice if not for week 17. I thought the, the basically no show in week 17 against the Bills, I don't want to say it was disqualifying, but I, I think it it spoke to um, a, a lack of preparedness that is a, a pretty big problem. And then Kevin Stefanski, a similar situation. I know the I know the COVID week that they had against the Jets, but they lost to the Jets, and the Jets are really bad. They lost to the Jets with a chance to clinch a playoff spot. And I, I think when you look at the the preseason projection. You go back and you say, oh, well, Kevin Stefanski, they go to the playoffs for the first time in forever, and they're the Browns. The Browns are the Browns. Well, ESPN's FPI actually projected the Browns to have slightly more wins than Green Bay. Now we're talking about decimal points, but still the same. And their Vegas over-under to start the season was either the same or a half win off. Green Bay went 13-3. and They exceeded the expectations of really everyone and we retroactively decided that it wasn't as impressive because Aaron Rodgers was the MVP, except as you pointed out, one of the big reasons that he was the MVP is what Matt LaFleur did with this offense. Yeah, and I think Kevin Stefanski is a perfectly valid choice. I have zero problems with anyone picking him or him winning the award because I did think it was very close at the end. I ended up not picking Brian Flores for a lot of the same reasons you did. The other candidate I considered was Sean McDermott, but in the end, I just had issues picking him over Stefanski or LaFleur because I'm not really sure how much credit he is or isn't due if you really break it down. The defense for Buffalo regressed this year. Now, we, we've talked about a million times how defense is not very sticky year to year, and he could have done a better job overall as a coach defensively, and the defense could have still regressed just because of randomness. But a big part of why Buffalo took a step forward this year was because the offense took a huge step forward, because Josh Allen took a huge step forward. And I attribute those things to their offensive coordinator. I don't attribute them as much anyway to Sean McDermott. And if I'm going to look at it through in that way, then I sort of have to reallocate some of that credit. And also, the, you know, the Patriots fell apart. Brady left. That played a role in that, too. So was, he didn't seem like a home run choice for this either. And given that Green Bay played so well from the beginning of the season to pretty much the end, at least the end of the regular season, I, I felt that LaFleur had the best case, even if it was a lot closer than some of these other major awards. I, I am a little disappointed we agree on that. Um, we have, I am too. I really thought that you were going to go a different route there. <laughs> well, if if the, the Dolphins had won in week 17, I would have. And, and that's just not how it happened. One more break to talk about our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional st chain storefront. Why endure? 
often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions, and wait while the counter guy orders the parts off his computer, choosing only from the brands his warehouse happens to carry. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com and shop for yourself for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, RockAuto is always the reliably low price for you and the same for a professional, not two different prices. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. So the, the list of guys, and we're not going to go through every position. If you want to do that, I highly recommend you go listen to the athletic show with Robert Mays and Nate Tyson and Darius Butler and all those guys. They did an awesome all pro show. Check that out for the Packers purposes here. If we both thought Aaron Rodgers was the MVP, we had him as our first team, all NFL quarterback, correct? Correct. Yeah. It wasn't that difficult for me. If you're going to name some of the MVP, they have to be the best right. at their position in the NFL. If you're not going to split uh the offensive player of the year and mvp you're not going to split qb and mvp that would be silly um of course did you did you consider aaron jones for a running back spot i didn't really and that's actually more of a testament to how many good running backs there were this season i mean aaron jones certainly had a phenomenal year but was it more phenomenal than alvin kamara was it more phenomenal than dalvin cook was it more phenomenal than derrick henry was it more phenomenal than nick chubb for me the answer was no and that shouldn't be viewed as there was something wrong with Jones. Uh, he is, again, he for the last two years has been one of the most important players to the Packers' offensive success. But the other players just had better cases in my view. I'm with you. Um, I, I think he would have had a much better case last year than he did this year. And that's, again, not Especially a slight on the him. touchdowns, I, I agree. Right. He was phenomenal last year and, and missed less time last year, too. Um, I, I had the same two receivers as PFWA, Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs. I don't think that's going to be much of a, a of a of a question at this point. No, I had the exact same choices. Uh, Adams speaks for itself. In less time on the field, he was able to accomplish more than almost any other receiver in the NFL. Obviously, led them or led the league in touchdowns, tied a franchise record, was the most dominant receiver the Packers have had in the Aaron Rodgers era for a single season. And you and I have had discussions both on the podcast and off about where Adams sort of ranks in the sort of the hierarchy of recent Green Bay receivers. Until this year, I still thought that the best receiver that Rodgers had had was Jordy Nelson, because Jordy Nelson was, at least at certain times, more individually dominant. This was the year that flipped for me, and I think for a lot of other people as well, because Adams was good in every facet of the game. And Nelson was never really even in the conversation as the best receiver in football, and I think Devontae Adams put his stamp on the season and said, look, that's what I am, and and that's what changes the conversation around him offensive line. I think Travis Kelsey was the no doubt tight end. Uh, for me, you probably would have had to go to three or four to have someone like big Bob Tunyon in the mix there. Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari were first team for this award for PFWA. Did they miss anyone on your ballot? There was one offensive lineman that I selected for all NFL and all NFC from green Bay that didn't make the final cut for at least the all NFL and I'm wondering if it's the same one for you, Elton Jenkins, because I thought even if you're just viewing him as a guard, just only concentrating on those snaps that he took at left guard, 
He was one of the most dominant offensive linemen in the NFL, full stop. And then when you fold in that he played tackle, that he played center, and he did these things sometimes, not just week to week, but in just making those changes in the middle of a game. Incredibly difficult to do. I thought that he had, in that sense, one of the most impressive seasons we've seen from an offensive lineman in a long time from any team. I agree. I had I had Martin and, and Jenkins and it was hard. And there are a lot of, of really quality offensive line. It's hard to keep someone like Quentin Nelson off or Ali Marpet. Some of these guys are are really good players. But to your point, I mean, he played offensive tackle. He played center. He played he basically played every position along the offensive line that you can play. I think the only spot he didn't play literally of the five is right guard. Is that did I miss something? No, that, that's correct. And it's not like he couldn't have played right guard. If you can play both tackle spots, left guard and center, you're going to be able to play right guard. And he's done in the NFL. Like He is in two seasons, played literally every position in a regular season game on the offensive line. And that was true in college as well. His versatility was a big part of, of his appeal. And in fact, when he was coming out, I was like, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you needed a guard, why wouldn't you just play him a guard? And that's exactly what Green Bay did on the defensive side of the ball. In terms of first-team consideration, other than Jair Alexander, did any other Green Bay Packer come close to making it or make your first team? None of them did, and... The Packers' defense obviously improved down the home stretch, and some of that was opponent. Some of that was adjustments that the players and defensive coordinator Mike Pettin made. But other than Jair Alexander, I just didn't think that anybody was as dominant as their position as the other players that I chose. Uh, in a different year, with maybe a different person calling the shots, there could have been more selections. Obviously, we've seen in past or recent years, like Zadarius uh, Smith made my list in 2019. I believe he made yours as well. And yep. it wouldn't be shocking if, you know, in 2021, he's back there again. But this year, I thought Alexander was the only one who was that much of a standout player in defense for Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, if we were, we're not, but if we were going to do second teams, Zadarius would have been, I think, my second team edge along with Khalil Mack. Um, but we're not doing that. And I think I, it is worth mentioning Adrian Amos as a safety, although I did not vote for him first team, um, especially right around, in fact, the Tampa Bay game. Things changed for him and and his evolution as a playmaker, as a consistent force and figure on this defense has really changed the way that that they've been able to play, changed the way that they've been able to deploy Darnell Savage, I think. The last time I looked, he graded out as one of the three best safeties in the league for PFF among guys who had qualified snaps. So it it would not have been crazy if someone were going to make the case that Amos at least deserved some conversation on that first team. Yeah, I think you actually bring up some good points that I didn't totally consider when I was doing my ballot. I don't think Amos would have made my selections anyway, though. He started out the season very, very slow. And to be fair, so so did Darnell Savage. They both sort of turned their seasons around at the same time. And I don't think that's totally coincidence, both because they help each other and because there were adjustments made schematically that made them more effective. But I, I didn't want to just ignore that they had four or five weeks where they, for the most part, were playing very poorly, even if they ended up turning around in very, very big ways. That bodes well for their futures, especially if I mean, we know Savage is going to be with the Packers in 2021. Amos, I think, went from being someone who a lot of us at least thought could be a cap casualty, given that the cap is going to go down, to someone where 
Maybe they restructure the deal, but I, I would say it would be more of an upset right now if he's not with Green Bay in 2021. And that speaks to that turnaround that you were discussing earlier. That speaks to how impactful he can be when he's used correctly and he's playing his A game. He's definitely someone that they want to make, want to retain for the foreseeable future. This is a little bit of a wild card, but is there anyone on the Packers who didn't make the list this year who you think could make the list next year? On offense, we already, mentioned, we already mentioned Zedarius Smith, and I, I think that's for the obvious reasons. When he's going, he is conservatively one of the six or seven best pass rushers in the NFL. Yep. And he was that guy at times this year, just wasn't as consistent as he was in 2019. Uh, I think if we're looking for someone who's more of an up-and-comer, and maybe this is the one that you're hinting at, Rashawn Gary could be that guy. After he moved into a de facto starting role around midseason, a little closer to the, uh, I think it was like around week 10 or week 11, somewhere in there, he really became their most consistent pass rusher. Now, part of that is because he is playing alongside a lot of other really good defensive front defenders. Uh, Kenny Clark is a part of that. Uh, the Smiths, both of them are part of that, even if Preston was not that guy consistently in 2020. And maybe if, let's say, Preston Smith is not back with Green Bay, in 2021, some of Gary's uh, some of his advantages might go away because he's going to have to you know beat more double uh, double blocks and things like that. But Gary really started to show he had figured out how to use his physical gifts the second half of the year in a way that he didn't really much at all in his rookie year and early in this season. I, I could see Gary as being someone who this time next year we might view as the best of all the Packers defenders not in the secondary. That's absolutely on the table for him. That's how much improvement we saw. Interesting. I have a first round pick from 2019 that isn't Rashawn Gary. I was interesting. Th- I, well, obviously, that's only one other option, well, but right. that's a very interesting call. I was thinking Darnell Savage because of what we saw in the second half, what they were able to unlock. And then you combine that with what Adrian Amos is and, and has become for this defense, especially if we get a new play caller. Who knows what that scheme is going to look like? Who knows if that's going to happen? But he is someone who the Packers think really highly of. We started to see why, especially in the second half, the ball skills, the playmaking, the coverage ability, the blitz. I mean, his blitz of Brady created that second interception for Jair, or the first interception, excuse me, for Jair Alexander. And I think his versatility, he has the kind of profile in terms of someone who can create sacks, can create interceptions that at the end of these seasons and and the awards voters look at statistical resumes he's the kind of guy that i think he could have you know he could have a six interception season next year i don't think that's crazy and i I thought of gary but i think the the bar is just different for pass rushers i think it's going to take a a pretty extraordinary jump for him i think savage could make he could get 20 percent better and have a five or six interception season next year and be you know a, a first teamer at a position that is not as loaded that's a really compelling argument. The only real counters I have to that is, one, we don't know right now who is going to be calling that defense. Not just calling the defense. We don't even know what that scheme is necessarily going to be. Right. If Mike Pettin goes, it's not a fait accompli that they bring in someone who's running a similar scheme but might just make better you know, play-calling decisions. If you look at the trends around the NFL, a lot more teams, I mean, really, over half the teams in the league right now are running you know, single-high cover three heavy defenses. And if that's the case, 
we don't know how Savage is going to be used. I mean, he might be the guy at the top of that defense, basically the, the final line of defense. He probably makes more sense in that role than Adrian Amos. And we also know that Savage is so much more effective the closer he is to the line of scrimmage. That's part of it. The other part of it is Savage has gotten hurt a lot in his two years in the NFL. Yep. If, if he plays 14 plus games and the scheme is conducive to sort of the things that you were mentioning, then that makes a lot of sense to me. But it's also very possible that he only plays eight games or even less than that just yep. because of how often he gets hurt. Because he is a smaller player for his position and he throws his body around a lot with a lot of aggression. In that way, he's kind of like Bob Sanders was way back with the Indianapolis Colts. He's someone who, when he's there, when he's right, and when he's being used effectively, can be extremely effective. But those are really big questions with him and with Green Bay right now. So while I definitely see the path that you're talking about, I think that makes sense. I just have a few more questions given all those things we just mentioned. Yeah, Doug Farrar over at uh, Touchdown Wire has compared Savage to Bob Sanders in the past as well. Just something to think about as we move forward here. Jason, let my audience know where they can find all of the work that you do. Well, you can find me on Twitter at by underscore JBH. You can find my work at SBNation.com. I do freelance in a bunch of other spots. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll be able to find that. And I imagine you also find me back on this podcast at some point in the not too distant future. That will definitely be the case, Jason. Thanks, man. Thank you, Peter. All right. Thanks to Jason for joining the show. Awesome to get down and and dig into it. The minutia and all that stuff with him. Uh, surprised about the, the Matt LaFleur pick, but um, impressed nonetheless. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Lily Zhao for Zhao You Doing. There is no crossover. Remember, Thursday is our Jamal Williams show. And Friday is going to be an all mailbag uh, questions show. So send your questions in. Hit me up on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can send your questions in there. We are going to start announcing the golf ball winners. A lot of golf ball winners. And that means a lot of sleeves to send out. And if you want to send a question, you can do that. In fact, I'm going to I'm going to do some more golf balls. If you show me your, your rating and review for Locked On today, I'm putting more golf balls up for grabs. So go rate and review that show. Subscribe to Locked On today. Uh, that is my new show. Go listen to it. Tell me what you think. That would be great. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.